This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It didn't take long after the recent general election for political candidates to announce they're running for state and federal offices in 2024. More are expected to announce in the next few weeks. But are they officially on the ballot? You do hear a lot of chatter after uh, or heading into a, a general election or a presidential election year, but this does seem earlier than usual. That story and more coming up this West Virginia morning. The federal government is now investigating the West Virginia Department of Human Resources treatment of persons with disabilities. Amelia Nicely reports. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is looking into alleged discrimination by the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources in its care of people with disabilities. The investigation follows a complaint filed by Disability Rights West Virginia that said DHHR allegedly did not provide services that could have kept patients out of state-run hospitals. DHHR Secretary Bill Crouch said the agency is cooperating with the investigation. He said the state does not have adequate community placements for people with disabilities. And I've said numerous times on this call and in front of the legislature that no one should live in a psychiatric hospital that doesn't have to. So uh, we're looking at making sure that we can move folks to an appropriate level of, of care. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Amelia Nicely in Charleston. The Kanawha County Commission opposes an interim rate increase for West Virginia natural gas customers. Curtis Tate has more. Kanawha County Commissioners, quote, vehemently opposed the double-digit rate increases the West Virginia Public Service Commission recently approved for Mountaineer Gas and Hope Gas. Mountaineer Gas customers will see their bills go up 15 percent, and Hope Gas customers will see theirs go up 28 percent. Both increases are smaller than what the companies asked the PSC to approve. About 300,000 natural gas customers statewide are affected by the decision. The Kanawha County Commission has also voiced its opposition to a $297 million request from Appalachian Power. If approved, the average residential customer's bill would increase $18 a month. On Wednesday, the PSC will consider Monpower's request to raise its customers' bills an average of $11 a month. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Legislators heard from law enforcement about the increased danger schools face from armed intruders. Chris Schultz has more. The Joint Standing Committee on Education heard from two law enforcement leaders during a Monday interim meeting. Both presented lawmakers with the stark reality of protecting schools in the era of mass shootings. Keith Vitito, Safety Director for Kanawha County Schools, said that according to FBI statistics, from 2020 to 2021, there was a 52% increase in the frequency of armed intruder accounts. Jackson County Sheriff Ross Mellinger argued that having armed officers in schools is no longer enough. But make no mistake about it, it's not if, it's when. It will happen. You know, if we had the funding and the initiative, we would put an officer in every school. However, that would only be the tip of the iceberg, per se. Mellinger asked legislators to consider expanding his SHIELD program, which puts tactically trained officers in schools on a rotating basis, in the upcoming session. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. West Virginia students will soon have the opportunity to take classes preparing them for tourism jobs. Randy Yowie has more. Secretary Chelsea Ruby gave a preview of the state's $25.6 million tourism budget to the Interim Joint Standing Committee on Finance. 
Ruby highlighted a $5.2 million federal grant earmarked for workforce development. She said the state currently employs more than 44,000 direct tourism jobs, and with expected growth, the industry will have 24,000 annual job openings. Ruby said starting this year, there will be middle and high school classes offered to teach kids about jobs in the tourism industry. You've heard all kinds of kids talk about wanting to be a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer. I bet you haven't heard a kid say, I want to go in the hospitality industry. And that's something that we want to change. Ruby has plans for the high school tourism classes to also earn college credits as part of a career pathway program. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie. Huntington and Morgantown achieved a perfect score on the Human Rights Campaign's Municipal Equality Index. That is a rating of cities across the country that determines how accepting they are for LGBTQ people. Other West Virginia cities have room for improvement. Curtis Tate has more. The Human Rights Campaign is one of the leading LGBTQ rights organizations in the country. The group's Equality Index scores more than 500 cities on their policies related to sexual orientation and gender identity. Huntington and Morgantown both scored 100 and were among 120 cities nationwide to do so. Charleston comes in not far behind 92. 92 is extremely, extremely good. That's Catherine Oakley, senior counsel for the Human Rights Campaign. Laws that protect LGBTQ people from discrimination carry the most weight of all, Oakley says, especially because LGBTQ people lack statewide protections in West Virginia. Having them at having the ordinances at the local level that do provide those protections is incredibly important. Of the seven West Virginia cities scored, only Parkersburg lacks a non-discrimination ordinance. Parkersburg gets a 13 out of 100. The others are Wheeling, Lewisburg, and Charlestown. Wheeling scores 75. Lewisburg and Charlestown both get a 45. Cities are also rated on how they treat LGBTQ municipal employees, how law enforcement interacts with LGBTQ residents, and leadership on LGBTQ equality. Oakley stresses that the index doesn't measure actual quality of life for LGBTQ people. It's, these are the laws and policies that have and practices that are that exist in these various places. Oakley says her organization tries to make higher scores achievable, even for smaller cities. You know, we want for this to be an opportunity to grow for cities, and we love it when they are working on the MEI um, as one of their projects. Currently, West Virginia has five more chances to score a perfect 100. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Areas of patchy fog this morning with light rain, some freezing rain in the Potomac Islands. Mostly cloudy skies today with highs in the 40s and 50s. Tonight, a chance of rain with lows in the 40s. Tomorrow, rain likely with highs in the 50s and 60s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com.
It didn't take long after the recent general election for several political candidates to announce they're running for state and federal offices in 2024. More are expected to announce in the next few weeks. But are they officially on the ballot? Government reporter Randy Owey talked with State Election Director Deke Kersey from Secretary of State Mac Warner's office on how declaring yourself a political candidate really works. It seems very early with two years until the 2024 election that so many people are announcing candidacies. Is this unusual or, or usual? Well, from my experience here in the office, you, you do hear a lot of chatter after uh, or heading into a, a general election or a presidential election year, but this does seem earlier than usual, but that perhaps may be due to the unique circumstances in the in the Republican primaries uh, where there are several contenders for statewide offices. We've heard people say that they've announced for governor or they have announced to run for the U.S. House or Senate. Have they filed, or how does that all work? When someone says they've declared for a particular race, what that typically means is they have filed a pre-candidacy form with our office. It can be found on our campaign finance reporting website, and uh, they can start accepting money. They can commit, uh, create a committee. They appoint a treasurer. They spend money. Uh, they can run ads. You can do all the things that a normal candidate would do. They're not officially a candidate yet. They are simply a pre-candidate. When the election year comes, uh, and that that will be 2024 for the statewide offices you're talking about, there is a uh, particular form called a certificate of announcement that all candidates have to file within a particular period in January. Once that form is filed, the certificate of announcement, they are officially a candidate, and their name will be placed on the ballot so long as they meet all the other qualifications. That's January 2024. That's right. So they can skate for the next whole 2023 without being an officially announced candidate as long as they file pre-candidacy and deal with fundraising and such. The pre-candidacy, the purpose of having a pre-candidate form and becoming a pre-candidate is so you can lawfully accept donations from the public to put towards your campaign. That's the only legal mechanism that pre-candidacy form uh, is used for. So people can say they've declared uh, or that they are going to run for governor or for Senate or for House or whatever it may be. But if they don't file that pre-candidacy, they can't raise money and spend money for their campaign. What are the requirements for that person in that committee to report their fundraising? The same requirements as you have during an election year. The legislature changed the law in 2019 uh, to no longer allow for off-election years to simply file annual reports. Candidates now file on a quarterly basis. So you'll see four reports uh, in 2023 from all pre-candidates that have filed, and you'll see six reports in 2024. Uh, they're the same quarterly reports plus a report due before, just before each election. So that's before the primary and the general. And that continues in perpetuity. Uh, these candidate committees, they do live on in perpetuity until the account has been drawn down to zero. All the loans are paid off. All the bills are paid. And at that point, the committee has to close its, its shop. Um, usually what we'll see is uh, a candidate will roll that money over into a subsequent campaign if they're going to run again in the the next election cycle, whenever their term's up. How does the public and how do I 
take a look at all this. You were saying the campaign finance website. Tell me how I navigate to that. Okay. There's several different ways you can do it. The first way is you go to our website, sos.wv.gov. That's our home. That's our main website. And uh, on the top of the home page, there's a uh, an elections tab. You go to the elections tab and you simply click online campaign finance reporting system. And that takes you to the website. Or you can just go right to the website. And that website address is cfrs.wvsos.gov. Do you have a list of who has done their pre-candidacy? On the campaign finance homepage, the top left, the very top left of the page, there's this little hamburger thing. There's three white lines in a row stacked on top of each other next to the, next to the state seal. That's a menu. You click that, and you click Explore, and the very first category there are pre-candidates. You click pre-candidates, you select the election year 2024, and it creates you a list of candidates. Again, the, the phrase we use was coming out of the woodwork. Anything that we need to know to keep our heads straight on candidacy? If someone says they've declared that they're, going, that they're running for office, you can come check this website and see if they're allowed to raise money and spend money. If they have filed a pre-candidacy, then they'll be reporting their campaign finances on the website. It's required by law for all statewide offices and all legislative offices. That was Deke Kersey, Elections Director and Deputy Legal Counsel for the West Virginia Secretary of State's Office, talking with Randy Yoey about elective office candidacy. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.